It really shouldn't come as a shock to you that not treating people like dog shit lowers their risk of suicide. This should be enough to stop doing what you're doing in my comments. But it won't be. So the thing about uh, toxic groups, uh, I won't use the C group C word because it, we're on we're on TikTok. But but if we're talking about a group that's not not a good good vibe, they will typically love bomb you when you join, and and that's why it feels so good to join. But once you leave, they actually don't care about you because they never cared about you. They cared about belonging to the group structure. So this person I've been arguing with for a few days now. Um, along with the, uh, the commenters, uh, is taking the position that, you know, we need to go along with all of these interventions that have not been proven to be more effective than placebo and are not approved for the uses that they're being used for, that are being used in children who cannot possibly imagine what it means to have the long-term health problems that, that will be inflicted by them. Even in the best case scenario where they end up trans, they can't possibly know what they're signing up for because they're children. This person wants me to believe that, that, that they, they put such a high priority on preventing suicides. And we all, we all need to defer to, to his judgment about how to prevent suicides. Uh, but, but you can see that, that, that when uh, it turns out that somebody was apparently, according to him, wrong about being trans for many, many years and figured that out through many, many more years of therapy, that, that, that oh, well, you're just this doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter what problems you have now. Because you're, you're just cis. You're, you're, who are you? You're, you're, you're just some worthless piece of crap. You know, it's, it's, they don't actually, they're starting from their conclusion and working backwards. They're starting from what they want because it's motivated reasoning and they're figuring out how to get there. They don't really want to protect all kids that identify as trans, obviously, because they've decided that some of them are future detransitioners and they don't matter. Well, that's not acceptable in medical uh, interventions to just decide that some of the kids are damned. So it's too bad for them. And if you ever come in here again with a goddamn opinion, I will shove it so far all right, now I'm going to be looking into the study design a little bit more of these two papers. We're going to be reviewing it. Uh, I tried this once before already, and I just I had to stop because I got mad. Uh, so I might, I, might, I might get mad again. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. So the paper is called Gender-Affirming Hormone Use in Transgender Individuals Impact on Behavioral Health and Cognition. Uh, lead author is Hilary B. Wynn. Uh, the purpose of the review is to elucidate the mental health and cognitive uh, outcomes of gender-affirming hormone therapy. The summary of this paper is that uh, prescribing gender-affirming hormone therapy can help with gender dysphoria-related mental distress. But as I've been talking and hammering home lately, the placebo effect means any treatment can help. Literally any treatment can help these subjective symptoms. So the question is, does this intervention help beyond the placebo effect? Let's find out. Let's find out if they've done the kind of design that you would need to answer that question. Uh, so, so she concludes it, it, it can help. And, and then somehow from there gets to thus timely hormonal intervention represents a crucial tool for improving uh, behavioral wellness in transgender individuals. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's a leap. I'm, I'm interested to see what the support is for that. Though effects on cognitive processes, cognition referring to thinking in the brain, things like attention, memory, judgment, uh, fundamental for daily living, are unknown. I'm quoting. I'll read that again. Effects on cognitive processes fundamental for daily living are unknown, but it's a crucial tool in improving their behavior. Do you not see the contradiction, ma'am? Behavior is one of those, those daily living situations. I've just read the first, first sentence. I'm, this is, we're, we're, we're cold reading this together, so, so you'll, you'll see my, my full rage. Uh, the introduction background. Although people tend to use the term sex and gender interchangeably, each has a distinct meaning. Oh, I'm so excited to figure out what sect we're dealing with. A newborn is typically designated a sex, either male or female, based on the appearance of their genitalia. Natal sex and sex assigned at birth are used interchangeably in this article to refer to the same concept. What same concept? The sex they were designated? Well, what about the sex they are? So, so it seems like we, we're dealing with some sex denialists who don't think that sex is real. Uh, on the other hand, the term gender identity refers to an internal sense of self, which can be man, woman, a mix of both, or neither. So it seems like we're solidly in the non-binitarian territory. We're not, we're not in perpetual hormone therapy. That's not why they're doing it. They're doing it to make their, their mental sense of gender, which can be one or the other or both or neither, uh, match uh, something because what sex you are is apparently not real and was designated or assigned at birth. And, and otherwise is not, is not some core trait that has any sort of physical correlate in the world. <sighs> I told you I was already mad. On the other hand, the term gender identity, or just read that part. For many, their sex assigned at birth is in accordance with their gender identity. These people are cisgender, abbreviated cis. Transgender, abbreviated trans, is an umbrella term. It's a sign of the umbrella. Uh, that describes those who do not have a gender identity, gender expression, i.e. The, the way that one presents their gender to others. Uh, and or behavior, i.e. how the person expresses their gender identity through their actions, which is apparently a different different thing than how you you uh, ex um, express your gender. So 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 your 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 gender behavior is different from your gender expression. That's a, that's a new one for me. Uh, that matches their sex assigned at birth as defined by the norms of a given culture. So they've completely erased the concept of biological sex and replaced it with. Did you get the set of cultural stereotypes that matches your personality or not? And if not, we'll fix you. And, and, and you know, we've got all these options. It's crucial. It's crucial that we fix you. Most societies look at sex through a binary lens with two rigidly fixed options. I wonder why. Male or female. Is, is there, some, is there some, some trait that's associated with those, those two categories? Like this physically real in some way? Similarly, gender is viewed as a dichotomy between boy-man and girl-woman. As a result, most biomedical research has either neglected transgender individuals altogether or focused on the binary conception of the transgender experience. So like I said, they're, they're non-binitarians. They do not like the Our Lady of Perpetual Hormone Therapy. They're not, they're not fans. Uh, trans woman or trans man. Trans women, often labeled by the medical community male to female or MTF, were assigned male at birth but identify as women. On the other hand, trans men, often labeled by the medical community as female to male or FTF, 
Jesus Christ, it's called being concise. We're assigned female at birth, but identify as men. It's just, it's just, it's just to put you to sleep. It's just to, to like, yeah, I might have to, I might have to editorialize a little bit. Uh, however, gender and sex are on a spectrum with many possibilities. Non-binitarianism. Focusing on the two ends of the gender spectrum leaves out identities, which lie outside the male and female binary. This transgender experience has previously been coded by the American Psychiatric Association as a pathological condition called Gender Identity Disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, or DSM. In 2013, it was reclassified as gender dysphoria, which is characterized by significant distress or problems functioning associated with incongruence with a person's assigned sex at birth uh, and experienced or expressed gender. Prevalence rates of gender dysphoria are estimated by the DSM-5 to be 0.005 to 0.014% for natal males and 0.002 to 0.003% for native females, so quite a bit lower in terms of prevalence as we're often quoted as being the trans population. However, due to variation in diagnosis, presentation, and cultural acceptability across different nations and societies and associated stigma, these numbers likely underestimate the true prevalence. So they have, they have a, a religious like zeal to uh, make the world safe enough for uh, them to find all these, these, these crypto trends that are running about in their mind. However, due to variation, uh, I read that part, most recent estimates based on state and national level population surveys approximate between 0.3 and 0.6% of the USA or approximately 1 million US adults are transgender, although this is still a low estimate. There still may be a low estimate, okay. So it just, that's, that's multiple orders of magnitude. Where, where there's, there's a disagreement. So are, are we getting the sense that maybe this, this is exploding relative to just like less than 10 years ago? Uh, today, not all transgender individuals experience sufficient symptoms of gender dysphoria to meet criteria for the diagnosis. Nonetheless, over the past two decades, increasing numbers of people have been identifying as transgender, seeking help with transition, and or receiving these diagnoses. And now we're going to get into their, their various theories for uh, why, why this is happening. Mosaic brain. Corroborating the idea of a spectrum of gender and sex is a recent hypothesis that the brain is a mosaic with respect to sexing of the sex central nervous system. In utero, the male fetal brain responds to the androgen testosterone and its aromatization to estradiol to develop a more masculine phenotype across the lifespan. The female fetus acquires a more feminine brain phenotype uh, due to the estrogen binding activity of alpha fetal protein in the absence of fetal androgen production. So they, they, they're, they're, they're trying to kind of redefine, like there's, there's no such thing as sex. There's only such a thing as, as whether you are androgenized or not. Like they, they, they don't want to admit that, that maybe these differences are because we have profound dif profoundly different genetics. Maybe that has something to do with it. However, the dichotomy between the male and female brain is not always clear-cut. Brain regions are programmed by androgens and estrogens into various degrees leading to gradient masculinization and feminization across the brain. During prenatal development, the mosaic of maleness and femaleness is present in all individuals, including both transgender and cisgender individuals. Okay, so do you see the problem? Are we seeing the phrenology? We're starting from the premise that both males and females, which don't exist, they're just culturally assigned, have these mosaic brains, and that these mosaic brains then 
still are, are sorting into a category of one or the other. And then also sometimes they're flipped. It's like, what? maybe sex doesn't predict brain type on that level. Maybe it only predicts brain type in terms of what genetics your brain has and what developmental history your brain had. Maybe it's not supposed to predict structure any more than sex predicts what your face looks like. Uh, Ayn Rand, I believe, would call this the stolen concept fallacy. The idea that, that uh, uh, the, an example would be property is theft. Uh, you can't have the concept of theft unless you've accepted the concept of property. So if property is theft, then what, what does that sentence even mean? Uh, so they're, here, here they're, they're stealing the concept of sex while denying it, even though clearly their, their position is contingent on the idea that there's, there's a sex difference here and that sometimes they can be swapped. So we have, have a bit of a confusion here. Uh, during puberty, gonadal steroids, life experiences, and genetics all influence the programmed brain to form a phenotype somewhere along the sex continuum. <sighs> they, don't, they don't want to admit that some people possess femaleness. They really, really don't, especially they don't want women and girls to understand that we possess femaleness and men don't and boys don't. That that's actually a valuable thing that sets us apart. There's, there's, there's clearly a motivation, and that motivation is to increase the domestic supply of infants, to quote the Supreme Court. Um, and an identity somewhere along the gender continuum. I'm going to take a break. Okay, this next section is called uh, Gender-Affirming Hormone Therapy. Transgender individuals who choose to transition can take medical or non-medical steps. Social transition includes actions such as changing one's appearance, or pronouns, uh, which would be the trans rights. And there's, of course, no compelling evidence that, that this is anything more than a placebo designed to induce the placebo effect. A legal transition includes a change in name and new legal documents to reflect this, which is an intervention that, that puts a significant burden on a patient uh, and, and uh, has other consequences. A medical transition, if desired, may include procedures such as gender-affirming hormone therapy and gender-affirming surgery, uh, e.g. breast augmentation, phalloplasty, to develop or modify the desired sex characteristics. So it's, it's cosmetic surgery. It's, it's to change how your body looks. According to the National Transgender Discrimination Survey Report on Health and Healthcare, at least 80% of transgender people have either taken uh, gender-affirming hormone therapy or want to take gender-affirming hormone therapy. I mean, yeah. Once you join the club, you you want you want to like punch your ticket out all, all around town, and until you think about it a little more, and then maybe you you decide not to like I did. Um, MTFs typically take estradiol and androgen blockers to feminize their bodies, while FTMs typically take testosterone. So I'm going to skip over some of this because it it looks to be a uh, I'll just skim it because but it doesn't look to be what we're interested in in this video. Uh, gender non-binary or gender non-conforming individuals who do not um, who do not identify as transgender may choose to take hormones to develop more masculine or feminine secondary sex characteristics. These populations have been absent from research into the effects of gender-affirming health care on uh, behavioral or hormone therapy on behavioral health and cognition, which thus far has focused on FTMs and MTFs. So it, it's, it's phrenology. You know, it's it's there's a reason that non-binaries weren't weren't included as a separate group, and that's because they're recent. They're a recent group. 
and and they're taking for granted that there's some some there there biologically that that's a meaningful category. It's no different than trying to figure out uh, which head bumps predict which crimes. Uh, based on the literature in cisgender populations, it is known that estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone, as well as neurosteroid metabolite allopregnolone, uh, have strong influence on neurotransmitter levels and receptors. So could it be that the cosmetic effect isn't isn't causing some of these improvements, but it's actually because it's a psychoactive medication, and therefore other psychoactive medications might also help without causing the cosmetic changes and all the risks, uh, as well as neuronal and glial architecture. Uh, glial is a, or sometimes pronounced glial, is a, a type of nerve cell, and and uh, and function and presumably. Cisgender individuals. Uh, I'm not sure what the presumably is there, though. But as I as I mentioned in my literature review on my Substack, uh, it is it is uh, uh, known that, that that these hormones can predispose a person to have an increased risk of uh, various types of brain cancer. And there's a reason. It's because these drugs act on the brain, and the way that they act on the brain is by causing growth. It's it's not a hard puzzle to solve. There's like three pieces. Uh, since changes in these gonadal and adrenal steroid levels can profoundly affect cognition and mood. So how is the testosterone helping? How is it really helping? Is it helping by making them look like a man? Or is it helping because it's a drug and they went on a drug and drugs are drugs? Exogenous hormone administration by the gender-affirming hormone therapy must be further studied to better inform Patients about potential changes in executive functioning and behavioral health. <laughs> what, what, what information are they getting now? Other than it's going to make everything better. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cancel the bone loss that you had from being so depressed by being trans, according to Chase Strangio. Uh, exogenous hormone. Uh, only a few studies have prioritized brain health as a function of exogenous hormone administration. They're giving this to children who think they're trans because they saw a TikTok about it and then their friend at school came out and their teacher validated it. I get so angry sometimes reading this. Our purpose is to provide the clinician with a comprehensive review of the recent studies so that they can approach their transgender patients with greater understanding of the potential behavioral health impact of gender-affirming hormone therapy. And so here's the methods for this one. Both cross-sectional and longitudinal studies within the last five years investigating GAHT, which is the gender-affirming hormone therapy. I'm just going to say GAT from now on. Uh, effects on mood, behavioral, psychological, mental health were prioritized, though we present a brief summary of the limited literature on cognition, which would be attention, memory, executive function, judgment, especially. I've seen it firsthand, how it affects judgment. Not well. When you, when you take drugs that are that psychoactive at cosmetic doses with minimal evidence basis for it. And like, it's just such an ugly picture what's been going on. <sighs> Feelings cancer isn't real.
We searched for studies relevant to the topic and published in English using the terms transgender, gender dysphoria, gender identity, hormone, mood, behavior, and cognition. All studies were eligible regardless of sample size, but they required data from comparison groups, either from non-GATT users in cross-sectional studies or from the same individuals prior to GATT administration in longitudinal studies, which means that this, this is not going to be including any randomized studies because randomized studies don't compare like to unlike. They compare like to like. Single case reports, review articles, commentary, and studies that did not contain original data were excluded. Well, thank heavens for small miracles. Adolescents and children taking only puberty blockers were not considered in this review. Uh, so th this, this paper had minimal to do with, with what I had originally commented on, it seems like. Interventions were restricted to either feminizing or masculinizing hormone therapy. Due to the large range of doses and types of GAT, all styles of hormone administration, dosing levels, dose frequency, and types were included. Results. Overall, GAT has been found to influence both mood and cognition in transgender adults. The most recent studies since 2013 are discussed below and organized by type of behavioral health parameters measured. 11 of these were longitudinal studies, while the rest were cross-sectional studies. We highlight these 11 longitudinal studies in Table 1, since by design they provide more reliable data about the GATT effects on behavioral health as a function of time. And of course, we don't really know how the GATT is affecting behavioral health because there's no control group of people that did not receive the GATT who were otherwise similar to the group that was in the treatment. So they're, they're comparing trans people to non-trans people. It's... Effective GATT on depression. Depression and related mood states are extensively studied behavioral health parameters in transgender and gender dysphoric individuals undergoing GATT. To the best of our knowledge, all cross-sectional and longitudinal studies over the last five years assessing depression reported lower depressive symptoms in both MTF and FTM transgender individuals receiving GATT, most using self-report questionnaires. And then, uh, okay. Would antidepressants have helped? Would antidepressants have helped? They're doing this to children. Three of the studies utilized a longitudinal design evaluating the same 118 patients over 12 months using the, the same 57 people over three to six months and the same 54 people over 24 months pre and post uh, GAT. The limitation of these investigations is that none of the three-dimensional hormone blood levels was measured, uh, three documented hormone blood levels before or after GAT. Uh, so, so they didn't, they didn't uh, do blood tests uh, to figure out how the, the GAT had affected the hormone blood levels. Uh, and of course, as we know, when you give somebody an exogenous hormone, that can change how their body produces the internal hormone. Additionally, subjects received various varying levels of hormones. Future research questions lie in considering the significance of doses, routes of administration, and dosing schedule in GAT. We're, we're seriously jumping the gun. They haven't been proved to have an effect over placebo. Although we, we know that testosterone can induce euphoria and other changes that might be explaining some of this ancillary effect on the comorbidities that perhaps could have been treated separately using less harmful means.
We are told this is the only way. It's a lie. It's a lie. We're told trust the science. It's a lie. I read these through with you guys so that you guys can see. Comparison across studies may have limited utility due to different scales used to measure anxiety symptoms. GAT also seems to have a positive effect on perceived stress as measured by the self-reported perceived stress scale. After 12 months of GAT, transgender patients, N equals 70, had significantly decreased cortisol awakening response and perceived stress. We have a lot of other psychiatric medications that can have these effects. If this is the mechanism by which testosterone is helping them, testosterone is an extremely nonspecific drug to be helping them. They don't need testosterone just because they're fixated on being the other sex. Not automatically. And they haven't proven that it has any benefit over these other, other interventions, active or passive placebos. The literature freely admits that and then defends it. It's unbelievable. The effects of GAT on interpersonal psychosocial functioning have also received much attention with mixed results. So not, not uniformly positive. Uh, Bowman noted fewer problems with socialization and interpersonal functioning in older MTFs receiving GAT using a cross-sectional study design. Similarly, there have been reports of lowered global functional impairment, interpersonal sensitivity, and hostility following GAT in both FTMs and MTFs. In contrast, a cross-sectional study, the first to investigate the effects of GAT use in Southeast Asia, found that FTMs using GAT scored worse on bodily pain mental health, and vitality compared to non-users. Are these patients being told that it's possible that other psych meds or even just doing nothing but going to regular talk therapy, that that might also induce these changes? They don't have gender diabetes. There's no physically established reason why they need this specific, specific drug. They, there's no link there the way that there is with diabetes and insulin. Let's continue. Effect on GAT, of GAT on general psychopathology, personality, and mental well-being. Studies have mostly described marked reductions in measures of global psychopathology after the initiation of GAT. More specifically, transgender individuals undergoing GAT reported better psychological adjustment and lower subject levels of gender dysphoria, lower psychiatric stress and psychological symptoms, and decreased psychoneurotic distress, which is what you expect from a placebo, a reduction in subjective symptoms. And uh, using the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, three studies suggest a positive effect of GAT on personality-related psychopathology as well, including significant reductions in psychasthenia, depression, hysteria, and paranoia. Longitudinal studies completed in Turkey and the Netherlands find that GAT generally has a positive impact on general psychological symptoms and functioning and general well-being. So there's, there's no evidence that this is superior to the placebo effect, which means it's a very nonspecific intervention that other placebos that are less harmful, less damaging, and less permanent might also have. However, the DeVry study at all used combined therapy of GAT and gender reassignment surgery to specific, so specific effects of GAT are difficult to interpret. Based on the limited literature, GAT seems to have a mixed effect on emotional functioning. 
So as I read this, just try to imagine that we're talking about lobotomy because you could expect a pretty similar article to be put out. While some indicate that testosterone treatment in FTMs is associated with improved mental health measures of anger, there is a report of increased anger expression after seven months of continuous testosterone. Duh! We've all heard of roid rage. Interestingly, despite the increase in anger expression scores, the same study noted an improvement in inner ability to control anger fe angry feelings, possibly due to greater self-confidence and social functioning from affirmation in the gender male gender role. Yeah, or, or the changes to the brain that this same article talks about have caused changes in their judgment and their ability to self-evaluate. So they actually think they're doing better, but they're not. They're actually misinterpreting it. And, and you'll see that there's some, some psychosocial signs that perhaps their report of their ability to control their anger and their actual ability to control their anger are different. <sighs> Deep breaths. Nevertheless, another study found that testosterone therapy was neither associated with an increase in aggression in FTMs nor a decrease in aggressive behaviors in MTFs on anti-androgen and estrogen therapy. That's a very confused sentence. Even with fairly large sample sizes, these conflicting results may be due to the self-reported nature of the survey administered in all three studies. Yeah, you think? You think? Furthermore, the study by Davison Coltenmeyer operated on a cross-sectional design using between-subject comparisons, which makes it difficult to extricate significant changes from interpersonal variance and differences in gap plans. The increase in anger expression was noted after a relatively short term of testosterone administration of seven months, but no change related to GAT was observed over three years. Rather, Dufresne noted that psychological and or social factors such as anxiety levels and lower support from friends appeared to contribute to self-reported aggression instead. People often pull away after a brain injury, such as the kind that they're apparently inflicting using this drug, because the person's personality changes and the part of the reason the personality can change is because they get more aggressive in the context of less judgment and so they can't perceive what their friends are perceiving. They don't get it. They think they're actually fine, but they're not. It's the nature of the game with brain injury. They're sex lobotomists. Nonetheless, the existence of very few studies on this subject warrants further investigation. So we've got we've got a cart and we've got a horse and I don't I don't know that they're in the right the right order that they need to be in to be doing this to teenage girls who are minors. <sighs> Effective GAT on quality of life, bodily body satisfaction and self-esteem. Several studies confirm a statistically significant improvement in self-reported quality of life in both MTFs and FTMs receiving GAT. And so you would expect that from the placebo effect too. And these studies, the one that this one cites anyway that we'll get into, used a control of people who did not identify as transgender and were not receiving anything. And then the person that sent this article to me didn't seem to understand why that was a problem uh, in terms of the, 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 whether it's higher versus low quality evidence. Hormonal intervention is also associated with higher levels of body satisfaction and self-esteem, perhaps with a gender-specific effect. One study showed that following GAT, MTFs experienced less body uneasiness, but FTMs did not share the same benefit, possibly due to discomfort at a personal rather than social level. So as I've said before, 
This article was apparently written by people in the uh, United Church of the Internal Congruence, uh, which is a branch of non-binitarianism, otherwise known as the Church of the Non-Binaries, where they believe that the purpose of transitioning and the benefit that you derive from it comes not from some biological flip from male to female or female to male, but from improving your congruence between your gender identity and your, your uh, gender expression and in between other people's gender expectations and your gender behavior and so on and so forth to ultimately bring everything into congruence with each other. So here they're saying that Perhaps MD MTFs have more uh, incongruence between mind and body, whereas FTMs are incongruent between uh, mind and society. The rest of the studies strongly establish that GAT reduces body discomfort and increases body gender congruence and body image satisfaction, most likely due to a reduction of the discrepancy or incongruence. Uh, in characteristics between natal sex and gender identity. And remember, natal sex was defined as something that's defined by the doctors and not by anything biological. Uh, finally, noticeable dis finally, noticeable decreases in eating disorder, psychopathology, and symptoms were documented by Testa et al. and Jones et al., although Tehran et al. did not find a correlation between GAT and eating disorders or behaviors. So that video where the hospital staff were triangulating the mother with the child with, with the eating disorder, that, that wasn't a random example. They know who they're targeting. They know this is the pro-an of, of our generation. They know why the teenage girl population is, is huge. Like they're massively overrepresented, especially the more recently you look. They know. They get it. They know who their target market is. Finally, noticeable... De de uh, since all three of these studies, uh, only one of which was longitudinal, were conducted in different countries, UK, Canada, UK, Turkey, sorry, USA, uh, Canada, UK, Turkey, using different questionnaires, cross-cultural comparison among these data should be approached cautiously. Uh, effect of GAT on cognitive tasks and brain structure. So are we, are we getting ready to, to hear more about how this is sex lobotomy? Among the research that expressly examined the central nervous system and cognitive effects of GAT, uh, most studies focused on tasks of spatial rotation and verbal fluency, namely those which have established sex differences to determine whether transgender individuals are more similar to cisgender individuals with the same natal sex or to cisgender individuals with the same gender identity. We're just taken for granted that the natal sex is corresponding to something real, I guess. It's called the stolen concept fallacy. Using both cross-sectional and longitudinal design, these studies generally show that GAT is correlated with changes in the direction of gender identity rather than natal sex with respect to global and regional brain volumes. There's two ways to change your brain volume. One is to increase in size. One is to decrease in size. If a structure in the brain decreases in size, it generally doesn't function as well, unless it's not supposed to be there like a tumor. If a, if a structure in the brain increases in size, it's increasing in size in the context of an organ that's inside of a skull. There's only so much room in the skull. And if there's too much stuff in the skull, the brainstem herniates and the person dies. And if there's a uh, gentle pressure, but not enough to herniate the brain, what happens is the things being pressed upon slowly die to pressure necrosis as the other things get larger. I've joked in the past about why won't lobotomy work? Because, you know, if we know what their brain's supposed to look like, we can just change it. We can just go in and shave it down. Why won't that work? I've, I've joked about that. To see it written out as like the actual, like, yeah, that's what's happening is... 
I'm not surprised. Obviously, I'm not surprised. It, that's the point of taking the drugs. It's like, I know this is happening. But the fact that they're saying that and they're not seeing a problem. <sighs> also, I thought the brain was already like the, what they were. Like, it, it doesn't make any... Why would there be differences in brain patterns if it's all about designation? White matter microstructure. So the white matter are the connections between the brain, like the axons. Um, and again, the, the changes can only be in the direction of increase or decrease. That's the two ways that you change. And cognitive performance on sex bias tasks requiring verbal knowledge and memory. And so they're saying that it changes to be more like the other sex. Well, they, they just also got through saying that that, that sex is, each sex is better at some things than other things. So that means that they're, they're getting worse on some, at least some of these measures. And I'm really skeptical that it's, it has the cognitive benefits, the improvements in performance that they're claiming. I, I, I'm, I'm preparing myself to be underwhelmed uh, when we get to that part, which, which might not be this video. And cognitive performance on sex bias tasks requiring verbal and visual memory. Um, to the best of our knowledge, no studies thus far have looked at how GAT influences executive function, which includes judgment, and cognitive domains used for daily living. No studies thus far have looked at that. But you know, it's life-saving, suicide prevented. This way, overall, this review demonstrates that GAT uh, generally has positive effects at multiple levels on mood and behavioral health of transgender and gender dysphoric individuals. Whether the impact of GAT on the limited cognitive domains assessed actually leads to improvements in cognitive domains which are critical to day-to-day -day function is not known. Because as it said in the previous paragraph, no studies thus far have looked at cognitive domains and executive functions such as judgment, organization, and planning for day-to-day -day functioning. And we know this is changing their brain. They're, they're looking to expand the market, in other words. You, you need to, all of this needs to be thought of in the context of all of their behavior suggests that they, this, is, this is capitalism eating itself. We're making up new markets so that we can sell more and sell more and sell more. And, and, and the new market has already expanded from gender dysphoria and transgender uh, classic into, into the non-binitarianism. And, and, it, and it seems like they might be really, really looking how, how, who else can we sell testosterone to? Knowing it's an addictive drug. GAT generally enhances transgender individuals' similarity to their identified gender with respect to brain structure and sex-biased cognitive performance. So I guess sex is real again. However, we believe that this information is not practical or relevant to most transgender individuals and their healthcare providers regarding day-to-day -day quality of life. How could it not? How could the information that your brain structure is changing not be relevant? They're advising doctors by saying that, that it is okay to not mention it. It is critical that upcoming research interests consider the brain domains important for goal-directed behavior and pay less attention to sex-specific cognitive processes. You're gonna expand the market. More and more people are gonna benefit. They're gonna find a new, new broader category. It seems like they're ramping up to marketing it as an autism treatment, personally. That's, that's my guess for where it's gonna go based on Aaron and the Morn's comment. Research over the past decades has also established that following GAT, 
Transgender individuals report decreased anxiety, perceived stress, and social distress, uh, and report better mental health-related quality of life, self-esteem, and mood. But of course, this hasn't been placebo-controlled in a randomized fashion. This is exactly the response you would expect from a placebo. However, some inconsistencies around GAT effects on anger and aggression still need to be addressed. Again, we've all heard of roid rage. We used to understand that was a thing. The roid and roid rage is in fact short for steroid, and these are steroid drugs. Although the existing body of research supports GAT, improving mental wellness, many studies using cross-sectional and uncontrolled, keyword, observational, also a keyword, that means there, there was no uh, um, active uh, intervention because you didn't have the dual arms d design. Uh, methods relying on self-report. These are placebo. Like you would expect these results from any other placebo treatment with a similar study design. Future research should focus on applying more robust study designs with large sample sizes, such as controlled prospective cohort studies using clinician-administered ratings, you know, what could go wrong, and longitudinal designs with appropriately matched control groups. So they're not randomizing them. Your match control match control groups are different. So, so if you, that's why we were having, uh, as I'll discuss, the, the one where, where they, they did a control group of matched people that did not identify as transgender and were not receiving any sort of uh, sham treatment, who had not been randomized with the group that said self-selected into the study group, the treatment group. And in some cases had obtained and self-administered the, the treatment before the first baseline was taken. Additionally, studies that include more ethnically and socioeconomically diverse participants would better represent trans people. It is well established that the improved mental health outcomes seen after GAT can be largely attributed to greater congruence between identified gender and the person's secondary sexual characteristics, as well as external affirmation from healthcare providers, family and friends, and society. Did I call it or what? We argue the lines of research focusing on differences between trans populations and general population controls without a specific intervention do not answer critical questions about how to improve the unique health needs of transgender people and can further stigmatize this community all by deeming them as abnormal. It sounds like reality deemed them as abnormal because norm refers to most common. So yeah, they're abnormal. Uh, in particular, I mean, that's why we're treating them, right? Do we treat normal? Is that a new thing we do? That's not what medicine's there for. In particular, more data are necessary to inform transgender patients about the long-term safety of GAT with respect to brain health, mood, and cognitive function necessary for daily living, especially as it has become more, becoming more, more common and accepted for transgender people to use GAT to medically transition. Did, 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 we, did we skip a step? Did we go out of order, medicine? Did, did, did we did we mess up? Are, are people getting chemically lobotomized with these drugs? As you're telling people, don't it's not relevant. Specifically, gonadosteroids can have a great impact on brain structure, function, regional connectivity, and neurochemistry, which influences executive functions, affect, and reward processing. And of course, reward processing is what's implicated in addiction. And, and changes to that cause the addiction to, to become entrenched. And we know that testosterone is considered to be highly psychologically addicting and moderately to low 
physically addicting. The prefrontal cortex, the site of estrogen modulation of executive function, and also the target for lobotomy, orbital lobotomy through the eye, because it's, it's, it's right, right here, basically, uh, is essential for cognitive processes such as sustained attention, working memory, organization, and planning. So is this the real reason they think they're going to be able to stop suicides? Is because they're disrupting the planning stage of it? With, with, they damn the other effects? FTM individuals taking high-dose testosterone and left in a hypoestrogenic and hypertestosteronic state could be at risk for executive dysfunction. Meh. You know, and that sounds so mild, but the executive function is an incredibly like broad range of problems and severity levels. So if, if you think if you're extremely high functioning, uh, but have ADHD, and so you know that you have some executive functioning issues, you need to think about the person that has such severe executive functioning issues, they cannot wipe their own ass. As exhibited in cisgender females experiencing premature loss of estradiol or polycystic ovarian syndrome, respectively. Yeah, or worse. The field needs more high-quality longitudinal studies assessing multiple behavioral and cognitive domains uh, with and without neuroimaging over a number of years, as most individuals who initiate GAT are considering lifetime use. Cha-ching! Finally, future research in this population should consider expanding it to be more inclusive of genders beyond the binary. So you got to get that last little plug of non-binitarianism in to this uh, pamphlet and address related health disparities across the gender spectrum. Yeah, I rest my case. Uh, there's an alleged uh, compliance with ethical standards for this paper. So I'm, uh, I'm just gonna wrap this up and, and get into some of the sources cited in here because it's a gold mine based on the, the one I already looked at, which is the only one that claims to be a controlled study. Uh, if you support what I'm doing, uh, links are below. There's various ways of supporting me, some new, some old. Uh, shirts are also back. We have Gender Atheist shirts again at Uh Get yours today, or don't. It's up to you.